Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. So in the time I have this morning, I want to share with you a message, and it's this, building a legacy, building a legacy. Today, we celebrate our combined effort, and also most importantly, we give thanks to God for what He has done through His people. But in spite of all of that, we're not actually at the end of our journey. We have not reached our final destination. We are at the genesis. We have just started. And we are at the genesis of what God is going to do or wants to do in us as Transformed Church. There's so much more to accomplish. There's so many other things that God wants from us and in us and through us. And there's so many things that God wants to see happen in this community, in this atmosphere, in this world, in this city. And we are all part of that glorious journey. Our final step, our first step in the journey, is actually to finish this building. Did you know that we're only using 50% of it? There's still a main auditorium to construct downstairs. Because in all honesty, we're actually only using half. And as great as it is, as comfortable as it is, and as amazing as it is for some of you, we still haven't got there yet. So anniversaries, as we're celebrating today, our first anniversary, is a time to reflect, right? To look back, but also to look forward. Like any anniversary you celebrate, maybe it's your wedding anniversary, or it's a birth anniversary, we call them birthdays, or any significant event, a birth of your child, you look back at that event and you recognize the genesis, the start of it, But it wouldn't be anything worthwhile if you don't look forward as well. Because as much as you give thanks for what happened in the past, you want to give thanks for what's happening now as well. And if you're celebrating something, we want to let you know that celebrations are great things. If you're watching online and you're celebrating something, let us know what you're celebrating, what you'd like to celebrate. So today we have this opportunity to look back, but also to look forward to celebrate what God is going to do. Because moving here, as I said, was not the end of the journey. It was just the start. And that's what we want to do. We want to grow. We want to mature. And we want to have everyone invested in what God is doing in the church because we, all of us combined, are part of God's church. And on such occasions, I often like to talk about our vision i like to remind you of our vision, and I want to let you know that we firmly believe in our vision, which is impacting nations and empowering generations. And as, as concise as that is, as kind of wording is, it's how our vision impacts people that really matters. It's how, whether you're here for the first time or you've been here many years, how you can take this and make it your own. How do you carry this into the world that you live in? How do you make room for one another and for what God is doing? To be a part, to be invested, to realize that each of us have an important part to play. And I often tell our leaders that vision leaks. 
Because, you know, when I speak about vision and I talk about vision, there's only about 20% retention of that. And then by the end of the time you get home, you've completely forgotten most of it. But vision is so important because vision helps us move forward. In your personal life, in your corporate life, in your work environment, in your family environment, if you don't have a vision for your future, you have no future. That vision for your life, for your kid's future, for your job, it moves you in the preferred direction of your choice. So individually and corporately, it's vital for our longevity and success to have a common vision because that is what's going to move us to the place that God desires us to move in. I recall my own personal life. You know, when God asked me to move from Canada to Australia, He showed me a vision of my own future. And many of you have heard the story before. But when I sensed that God was wanting me to move from Canada to Australia, I said no. That's the truth. I'm just being transparent. I resisted that in all honesty. I just said no to him because in my mind and in my, what I saw in my world, it was not that. And in my heart, there was something that God had showed me. In my spirit, I had a vision of a future that I knew what God wanted to do. But in my own limited capacity, I thought, well, this is how it's going to work and this is how it's going to come to pass because I was already in ministry in Canada and serving with, with friends that I grew up in the faith with and, and came to know God with and I was learning from them. And I thought, well, this is the place that God wants me to be. This is the avenue. This is what's going to happen here. And it was within the scope of that world and those walls that I built in my own mind that I thought this is how God is going to make this come to pass. This is how His purpose is going to manifest. This is how it's going to happen. And this is the place because that was all I could see. But our Heavenly Father had much bigger plans and purposes. And what I could see for myself with my own limited capacity. And so a year after arguing with God and putting it off and, and making excuses and trying to come up with solutions, I finally consented to say yes. And it was a miraculous thing, I want to let you know, because I didn't really do anything to move to Australia. I didn't apply for a visa. I didn't buy a plane ticket. I didn't pay for a flight. I didn't apply for a job when I got here. I got one the next week. I didn't pay for my stuff to be brought here. He literally did everything. It was amazing to take me out of my limited mindset to see a broader horizon. See, when all you see is what you can do, you're going to be limited by what you see. Your ability is bound by your perception of what you see. But your capacity is what He sees in you. There's a huge difference between ability and capacity. Ability is you know what you can do. Capacity is the potential of what you could do. And so he wants us to understand that it's capacity that's going to move us forward and not necessarily ability. 
Because unless we are shown what we are truly capable of doing, we will never step out of our ability. And so often he shows us a place and a destination that we are capable of reaching that is beyond our current ability because he wants us to know what we are capable of with him in the equation. And really, that's what vision is. A better future, a desired future that is beyond here. I know, you know, what it feels like to dream of a future desire. I want you to take a moment and let your mind drift back to when you were a little child, when your world was full of imagination, when you could imagine anything and nothing was impossible, a time before adults told you you can't do that or you're not able to do that, or that's not something in your future. And it was not a smart decision to be an astronaut. It was not in your future to be an F1 racing car driver. And you weren't destined to be a supermodel. When as a child, a little girl or a little boy, you let your imagination lead you. And standing on top of your bed, you imagined that you were a superhero. And as you ran down the stairs, you thought you were exploring a new planet. Or when you jumped from one couch to the other, you imagined a flow that was lava and you couldn't get burned. You know what that feels like to have a hope, to have a future. You know the feeling of joy and excitement that comes when you have your, let your imagination imagine whatever you want. Imagination to lead you. And you remember that time. I remember that time, how it felt. A world full of hope courage and you remember what it felt like to dream about what you could be you know how it feels and how you felt that excitement and hope that surge of hope vision is like that a hope a vision a picture of a desired future to be part of something that matters, to be included in something that makes a difference in your life and ultimately the world. When you look out into your community as you go on your daily activities, as you go on your trips to the grocery store or to drop your kids at school or whatever it is that you do back and forth from work, when you drive to meet someone for coffee and you look out into our community, what do you see? Do you see happy communities? And people going about their lives with our care in the world, smiles on their faces, it looks like everything is okay. Or do you see the cracks in society? That in spite of all the stuff we have, the things we own, the things that surround us, we come put all these things into our life, that somewhere society is actually broken. And you see it all the time on the news. Violence and hatred and prejudice and bigotry, and racism, and isolation, and some of us, we've encountered it, we might have experienced it for ourselves, and deep down you know that this culture, there's something wrong with it. We see it, we feel it, we sense it, and we know it. And we know also it, it's not supposed to be that way. And all the things we try to fix, we try to legislate, 
and try to course correct and accept and, and rebrand and rename and come up with snappy political values and titles and viewpoints and talking points. And the more governments try to fix and the more politicians try to fix, the more broken and divisive it gets. Because the reality is we can't fix it. No matter how hard we try, we live in a world and a culture that's broken. And that creates a tension between us, doesn't it? Because we want something, we have a hope for something better. But then we have to deal with the reality of what is. It's a dream, it's a vision, it's a hope for a better. It pokes us, it prods us, it poses the question, what if? What if there was a world with no racism? What if there was a world with no hatred? What if? There was a world with no suffering. What if everyone just cared for one another and loved one another and went out of their way to help one another? What if? What if? What if? And if you ever thought that question, you're not alone. Because we all struggle with that tension that exists in our world. We want to see a world that's better and grander and more loving. And people have been trying to do that for hundreds of years and we still haven't got anywhere. The bad news, unfortunately, is that it never will get any better because we live in a broken culture. But there's good news. And you're probably thinking, I'm glad you're finally getting to it because that's enough of that doom and gloom stuff. The good news is that God saw the state of this world and he did something about it. He sent his son to redeem us from the state of ongoing hopelessness, and he gave birth to the church. The church is God's answer to what if. The church is God's solution because the church is the only hope for this world. Because those who have come to put their faith in Jesus and become part of his church are now part of the only organism that can be a catalyst for true change. And what that means for you and what that means for me as we go along in the days of our life, that we are part of God's plan for this world. To impact this world for good, to be part of something better and greater and life-giving. And no matter how small of a part it is, no matter how big of a part of it is, you are part of God's glorious church. And you, in part, get to share who He is and who He is to be to those who don't know Him. We have the privilege and the honor of working with him to impact lives around us. That is what's going to make a difference and change in our community, in our surroundings. As we demonstrate love and care for others, his unselfishness, his compassion, his care, his sacrifice, and his love. As we demonstrate that as a church of Jesus Christ and those who call ourselves Christ from us, we take on his mission and we can truly change things for the better. Your life, if you're a Christ follower, is taking on greater significance because of Jesus Christ. That your life now has a greater meaning, a greater purpose, because you've been entrusted with a greater plan. And so together, 
as we get to be part of God's plan, and maybe you've never thought about this or even considered it, you are God's plan because you are part of His church. And His church is for all people because just as you were invited in, He wants you to invite others to be part of what God is doing in the midst of us. Every interaction you have, every opportunity you have makes a difference in the lives of the people that you interact with. And so here at Transform, we have made a decision that we want to be a church that carries out the mission of Jesus. To make everyone feel welcome, regardless of their background, their gender, their race, their ethnicity. We want to know Jesus before they're turned away and based on what they look like or what they feel like. And John, I'm sorry to say this, but we don't believe that divorce is not something that we stand for. We believe God forgives everything, even divorce. And that's not who we are. We believe God loves everyone. Then we want to create an environment that when people come, they will feel embraced and loved. And then we thank God that God can do a work in their heart. Because we don't have the ability to save anyone. It's only Jesus. And all we can do is point people to the one who can. To be a church that is not designed only for a certain type of people. Not designed just for those who think they know God, but a place where people can find God. A church that follows in the footsteps of Jesus, who went down to love the unloved, who went down to the prostitute, who went down to the broken, who went down to those who were far from God. A church that welcomes everyone in, the broken, the rejected, the unloved. It doesn't matter what you've been through. Jesus comes to make a better place, and that's what a church has to be. Not a place full of rules and regulations and standards, but a place that loves unconditionally and embraces like God. We don't want to create a culture in which we talk about Jesus, the cause of Jesus, and sing about the love of Jesus and not have an environment that reflects the grace of Jesus. And when Jesus started the church, he gave his life for, he wanted it to be a place where everyone can come and experience who God is. Is. It doesn't matter what you have in your past. It doesn't matter how far you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how many times you did it. This is a place where God made so the unloved can come and receive forgiveness and grace. And that is the church of Jesus Christ. It's a place where we are taught and yes, we are corrected. Because correction is just as much love as embracing and giving. Where you're welcome just as you are, but not left to stay how you were. So you have to be, we have to be a church committed in making it easy for unchurched people to come and feel connected. In a place where new believers as well as seasoned believers all grow and mature their faith. And when you look at the flourishing brand new movement that Jesus inherited or initiated, is a better word, it was a place where people flourished. A place that welcomed Jew, 
and Gentile. Jews, and it doesn't matter what their background was, they were welcome. A movement that was about to change the world. The reason you and I sit here this morning is because of that movement. That we are thousands and thousands of kilometers away from where Jesus actually ministered, but we are impacted by his words, his statement, and his mission. But with every successful movement, the movement often outpaces its people. In the case of the church, the church became so impactful, the church grew and it struggled to find leaders. And that led to some growing pains. Leaders were needed to govern the functions and activities of the church. So Luke, as he writes to us about the genesis of the church, documents the history of the growth of the church. His volumes are stacked with details and sources like Luke that was available to Luke, letters and speeches and songs and travel accounts and, and trial transcripts and, 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 anti, and biographical antidotes and all this stuff. Luke's purpose is to show us the fulfillment of God's plan to bring his light into the world through the church. And so he tells us about an incident as he begins to write this letter that occurred at the beginning of the church as the church began to flourish. And so he starts by saying this. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing. And what was happening was that the church had grown so fast because there had been something that was new, it was fresh, it was a place where people can come and experience God. It grew to such a fast rate that the daily activities of the church were suffering because there was just a few workers trying to do all the tasks. And some things were not getting done. Some things were falling through the cracks. And, and one of these things that were falling through the cracks was these things about food distribution. It seems, Luke tells us, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So some of the widows, the Greek widows, were not getting the same food distribution as the Jewish widows. And these were widows that the church, in its generosity, took care of. These were women who otherwise, in that time of society, had no means to take care of themselves because they had to live on their husband's goodwill, so to speak, because he went to work and they would stay home. So if they had no husband, there was no way for them to sustain themselves. So the church, this brand new movement said, hey, we have a group of people that are marginalized in our community, that don't have a place. What we're going to do as this brand new movement is we're going to adopt them. We're going to bring them in and we're going to take care of all of their needs. We're going to provide food for them and we're going to care for them. And so they decided to do something about it, and they gave generously to take care of these women. So God stirred the heart of the church, and people said, we should do this. And they gave towards this need, and the church took care of them and fed them. But because they didn't have enough people who were responsible for the things to move smoothly, it seems there were some issues, apparently, in the way people were handling this food distribution. They were either playing favorites and giving certain people more, or they just didn't have any clue about how to distribute food. Whatever the case was, the Greek widows were not getting the same treatment as the Jewish widows. And which you can probably imagine is quite upsetting. It's like at church today when we give out sausages and you go downstairs for one, 
and there's none left because one person went and grabbed six of them and they're stuffing like five of them out at the same time and eating as fast as possible. It's upsetting, right? Yes? <laughs> you guys are quiet. Maybe you're guilty. It's upsetting that they, they did this. And it, they did what everyone else would do, right? What would they do? They went and complained about it. And they went to the pastors and they went to the leaders and they said, you better do something about this because it's not fair. Which as a pastor, I hear all the time. Oh, this person is not doing this and this person is doing something they shouldn't be doing and, and why can't we do this and why don't we have this? And this is what I would like to say to you when you ask those questions. The same thing the 12 apostles said to the people who came and said that. See, if, all, if we all do what we are supposed to do, then the church will function in its full capacity. The reason the church does not even come close to reaching its full capacity is that it's people who have been redeemed by Jesus, who have been given gifts by Jesus, who have been empowered by the Holy Spirit, just sit there and watch other people do stuff and then complain about it. How come we don't have this? How come we're not doing this? To which I would say, and what Paul would say, and what Jesus would say, the reason we don't have what we could is because we don't do what we should. If all of us contribute even 10% of the gifts and the talents that God has placed in us to serve in His house, the church would have no lack. We see, we often look at our ability and we discount our capability. We do that all the time. So when the early church came to the apostles and said to them, this is what we need to do, we need to have proper organization, they said to them in essence, well, why don't you do something about it? This is what they said. So the 12 gathered all the disciples, they gathered the church together like we do today, and they said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. They called the church. They had a meeting like we're having, much like we're having this morning. And they said, hey, we're already doing a lot of things that are important and necessary. And there's many opportunities for all you guys to step in and do something. Do you want us to neglect what God has called us to do so we can do things what God has called you to do? Why don't you all step up and step in? Step up to the plate. Why don't you allow God to use the gift in you? Do you want to use what God has put in you or do you just want to sit there? Do you want us to come and help you distribute food? He said, it's not, it's, not, it's not right for us to do that because we have to, then we'll be neglecting what God has put in us to help you do what God has placed in you. Do we neglect the Word of God to come and serve tables? Not that it was a menial task, but it's about responsibility. It was kind of a short rebuke. It was a bit of a telling off to the church. In other words, if you see an issue... Why don't you do something about it? So to the church then and to the church now, I ask you this question. Why don't you do something? 
And no, you have jobs and you have a wife and you have a husband and you have hobbies and a million other things to do. But what about the responsibility of the gift that God had placed in you? What are you going to do with it? I'd like you, when you go home, to read what Jesus says about this. Because if we're going to leverage anyone, let's leverage Jesus into this conversation. And he actually has a lot to say about this. Maybe you've never read it, and I challenge you to go home and read about it. It's in Matthew 25. But this is how Jesus presents the problem. He says, the reason you don't serve or help or contribute in any way, and it's quite a reality check. Are you ready to receive it? The reason and all the superfluous excuses or superficial excuses you want to put, the real reason you don't, you do it, don't do it is you don't trust God. You don't trust Him. You don't trust His leading. You don't trust the gift He's placed in you. You don't trust what He tells you to do. And he doesn't, you don't trust what you, you think he knows you're capable of doing. Because you think what he placed in you, well, it's not worth much. You can't be bothered to use it. You can't be well, well equipped. You think, I don't, I'm not able, I'm embarrassed, or I'm unsure, or I'm afraid, and I don't feel ready, and I don't feel ready to do this. But all those reasons, the reality is he answers all the questions is you don't trust him. And this is what Jesus says. So read it when you go home. But the reality is the church needs you because God placed a gift in you that's unique to you. And you're the only one that can distribute that gift. And yet we sit there and we don't step up and use what God has placed in us. So the apostle said to the church, because we obviously need help, to build up people, to strengthen people. We need people to step up. And so they say this, Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and we will turn this responsibility over to them. Choose those who are obedient to God. Don't miss that. Choose those who are full of the Holy Spirit, because if you're full of the Holy Spirit, you're going to submit to His leading. Which then leads to another question I'm sure I'd, you don't want me to ask. It's obvious who should be in charge of this responsibility, right? It's obvious the people who are already filled and doing and are walking and, and obedient to what God is doing and are full of the Holy Spirit. And the way we know they're full of the Holy Spirit is because they're doing what the Spirit is leading them. And so when, when you submit to the Holy Spirit, you will also gain wisdom because He gives you wisdom. So, question for you, do you want to be known as a person who is led by the Spirit of God, who is wise? Do you want to know, be known as that person? Then let God lead you by being obedient to what He asks you to do in His church. Because every single one of us, we're not called to just sit. We're called to be the church. You're not called to go to church. You're called to be the church. It's a whole different thing. So this was their solution. Find guys from among you who we can elevate into a leadership position and we'll give them the responsibility. They will lead in this area. And this is what the church said. This proposal pleased the whole group. It pleased the church, right? And so they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, 
Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. So there was Jews, and there's God-fearers, and Gentiles, all of them. It's not about your background. The church is not about where you came from, not about your ancestry. It's about what you're doing now in your journey of faith. And they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Whenever you see this in the scripture, lay their hands on them means that they've been elevated to a leadership position. They've been put in positions of authority. Laying of hands is not just praying for people. It's laying on hands with authority of elevating them into a position of leadership. That's what they did. And here you see the church that's in need for leaders. Leaders who come from within the church, those who are God is already working on, who are willing to step in and be used by God. When the church grows, there's a need for leaders because the more leaders we have, the better the church is equipped to do more of what God has called us to do. And what God has called us to do, transformers, transform church, is to make a place where people who have been hurt can come in and be loved and not judged. What God has called us to do, transform, is to be a place when people come in and don't even know Jesus, that they can come and they can follow before they believe. What God has called us to do, transform, is to be a church where people feel comfortable bringing their unchurched friends because they know they're not going to be judged but loved. And each of us, every single one of us here, has a part to play in this. We have an opportunity to help create an environment because each of us have an opportunity to make someone feel at home. When we have that opportunity each week to walk across the room and introduce ourselves to someone we have never met and make them feel comfortable, that is us representing Jesus. Rather than going and sitting with the same people you talk to every week, having a conversation with them, and having someone new stand by themselves, sit by themselves, and feel unloved. We have a joint responsibility. It's not just some people, or those people, or those leaders. It's our responsibility. Because I remind you again, we don't go to church. We are the church. We are all responsible. We all have to welcome and love people. And there's some that are already doing it, and there's some who should be doing it. So the question really for us is, do you trust God enough to step into what He has asked you to do? Because the reality is that we need more people involved in more places, doing more things, who carry the vision of Transformed Church, for more people to step into that, and for more leaders to step up, and take advantage of the opportunity that already exists. The early church found people who were passionate and serving and elevated them into a leadership position. And because of this, I want you to see the result. Because of this, one action that we look at is always oh, just food distribution. No, it wasn't. Look at what Luke says. Because of this direct action. So the word of God spread the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. Just because they got some guys to be responsible for the food distribution. So this is my appeal to you. Whoever you are, wherever you come from, there's opportunity for you to step in and step up. 
If you're watching online, it's an opportunity for you to engage with us. We have so many places and opportunities for you to grow and mature and lead. Bridge, our leadership development program, exists to help leaders get better because we know when the leaders get better, everyone gets better. So where can you plug in and be part of God's glorious plan? Let's together build a legacy that's worth leaving for the next generation. Let's leave something worthwhile, not just for our generation, but for generations to come. Let's leave something that lasts beyond our life. You are never more like Jesus than when you serve like Jesus. So this is your time, this is our time to be part of something bigger and beyond just our own world. Let's build the church together. Every single one of you, lean into the gifts and talents that God has placed in you. And let's work together to further God's plan for our world, our community, our families. Because that is in reality how we are going to change the world. So question, will you be part of God's plan? Will you be part of God's church? Will you step in? Or are you still going to sit there and say, hey, why don't we have this? Let's be the church Jesus envisioned. I have two questions for you. What gifts do you think you have, and why aren't you using them? Why aren't you using them? Every gift that God gives us is not for you. Did you know that? If you read the scripture, you'll understand. The gift God gives you is for the use of others. It's never an exclusive thing. It is always used to serve others. Every gift in scripture is to serve others. So what gifts do you think you have? If you don't know, come talk to me. Talk to one of our other leaders. I'm sure they can help guide you. If you're interested in, in leading in the church in different ministries, come join Bridge. There's opportunities there. Question two. How can you learn to trust God more by leaning into what he's asked you to do? How can you trust God more by leaning into what he's asked you to do? Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.